University's talk show, Taking Old School Viral. I'm your host, Manda O'Fox Gillespie. It's embarrassing, all the stupid things I can think of to think about. Is there anything that could really bring my mind back to myself? Hello, neighbor, and welcome to Folk U Radio Live under the Big Tent. This is where we ask our neighbors, what do you know in real time? Folk University is an experiment in neighborliness and slow learning and using our interests, our skills, and our beliefs as a way of connecting and bringing each other closer in community. Today, we are doing a fun and wild show outside under the CETA community tent with a live audience and on the radio at CKTZ 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca. We'll be talking a little and listening to music a lot with the Wild Revival Band featuring Nicholas Moon and Folk You Repeat guest, Heather Wolf. We are, where are you listening from today, neighbor? Who are the people that have walked and cared for the land, the water, and the air where you live, work, and play? Cortez Community Radio sits on the ancestral and territorial lands of the Klihus, the Klaman, and the Hamako peoples. I'd like to thank this land, the people who have walked this land through time, and all those that continue to love and work to honor this place we call home. All right, so this is a little bit of a crazy show today where we're trying to uh, be live, be under a big tent outside. Um, It's a beautiful day on Cortez, and it feels really special to have one of my uh, favorite guests return and return to do some music. So if you're listening today nearby and you want to join us, we would love to have you. We've got a nice tent a fresh breeze, and just a beautiful day. Um, so I, I'm wondering if you, do you guys want to start with a little talk or you want to start with music? Okay, well, because I, I, I always like to talk. I, <laughs> yeah, so um, we have just the, first of all, I, I need to paint the scene. So it's a beautiful day. We've got this tent and we've got what looks like a snake pit worth of wires connecting <laughs> uh, Heather and Nicholas and their mics and me. And then we're going to figure out a way to, to share also mics because it's, you know, it's a little crazy. So, um, all right. I love your guys' website and I just love how much you love the idea of of folk wisdom, folk tradition, this idea to, of folkness, which of course uh, is something we have in common. Um, so I want, and I like this quote that you have about holding space for our wild selves to run free. Mm-hmm. I want you to, and I know that you are, 
like you really embody the idea of folk wisdom and all these different levels from music to wisdom to storytelling to form fermentation and more. I'm wondering if you can give in your words a little bit about what folk wisdom means to you and how, like how it's inspired wild revival. Yeah. Uh, I would say folk wisdom traditions are at the heart of my work and Nick's work and our music in general that we not only the folk music and but that through folk music we also connect with folk stories and folk tales and then folk herbalism folk um, herbal brewing which is something I do um, folk dances it, it there's, I consider it to be like a flower of life that are these different folk wisdom traditions that exist throughout cultures in different, completely different ways um, that are so incredibly unique and specific to place. They come, to me, they come out of a relatedness with the living world of our place, of our land, where we folk are living and thus um, build this incredible kaleidoscopic universe of relationships um, with the living wor world and with our, each other, with ourselves. And to me, the heart of folk is that it's of the people, that it belongs to the people, that it's passed among the people. So it's a living tradition that belongs to no one and everyone at once. And it's never, I mean, it can exist in institutions, but the source is not institutionalized. The source is free and um, abundant for that reason, and always changing. There's always the, the right for, you know, there's these continuous folk traditions, whether they be a song or a tale, that has a certain form and structure, but um, each person that then embodies that art and that expression, or even you could look at fermentation and herbalism that same way, the speci specificity of the being that embodies it then fills the non-specific, it fills the communal in that moment and shifts it to be deeply personal and also at once um, deeply communal or universal while being specific to place as well. And I do feel I would add that it's at the heart of really of feeding our souls, feeding our beings um, when we do practice folk wisdom traditions, whether that's music or food or composting or you know basic things um, and it brings a richness of relationship that we need on, on a soul level I feel <laughs> <laughs> I'm normally laughing because Nicholas Moon who's the other part of Wild Revival with Heather Moon who you just heard he's nodding very vigorously but you know it doesn't translate that well over a radio but so <laughs> I'm narrating it do you want to add anything to that it was so articulate well, yeah that was so articulate and beautifully spoken the only th thing that really comes to mind to add is just the teaching and the like bringing these practices to, to community but also one of our big focuses independently and collectively has been teaching whether it's music or whether it's fermentation workshops but it's like making that making that folk tradition more accessible for as many people as we can especially youth when we can to re-spark that or to create that spark and get them connected with their lands and their ancestry and their yeah that's that's really but that was beautifully spoken 
And I'd say on a fundamental level, we play music as an invitation for others to also play music, to also use their voices, to also remember the instruments that are their bodies and participate in this great polyphonic song of life that each person has has a contribution to make into the song of life. And so what, I, what really got me to be able to start playing music professionally was telling myself that it was folk music, that I didn't have to be great or even necessarily that good. I could just do it because it's a birthright and invoke and invite others to, to participate. I love that. So can you t I want you to take us through your music journey just a little bit so that you can help us hear you better. So talk to us a little bit about, because even your music itself is genreless, really, right? It's sort of transcending um, and telling all these different stories and it's, and it's mix of instruments just looking here. It's incredible to see these, I don't even know what that is, that's hanging off Nicholas. Mandolin. It's such a, but it's an electric mandolin. Yeah, plugs in. Plugs in, <laughs> mandolin. And we have a mountain dulcimer um, from the Appalachian Mountains folk instrument. We have a fretless electric bass and a classical guitar. We have more instruments that we left at home. It's really hard for us to just play with two instruments. <laughs> hmm, yeah, well, I just feel, oh my, where to even start with that question? Um, I mean, taking it back to the folk, like just the accessibility, I feel like my journey, one of the, just like as simple as singing, getting my car, getting my license and being really, really alone for the first time and just cranking the radio and singing along. That's how I tapped in, that's how, and then slowly turning it down so I could actually hear myself and feel my voice vibrating with the radio. That's how, you know, that's one, for me, that was my spark. And it's, it can be as simple as that. It, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be any sort of formal education, although I strongly recommend that for people who, um, who that's accessible to. And yeah, I, I don't know. I would say also on a personal level for me, um, I grew up singing in choirs and surrounded by incredible vocalists and I just always thought that I couldn't sing at all. I, I felt like I had a horrible voice and I was embarrassed and would cry after I sang. But I loved to sing, so I looked at it as, um, clearly I believe what it is is a deep wound of some kind around the throat chakra and around, around expression and voice, which I, observing, I do feel that that's quite common in a lot of people in our culture with our relationship with creativity and expression, um, where we idealize the quote-unquote musicians or actors and then we, you know, put, put ourselves down or don't feel that we have a right. And we put, can often people can put each other down um, when we're young. So the, the expression was shut down in me at a young age in the voice, so I decided that I wanted to heal that. So it was about 10 years of just studying traditional classical Indian vocal practices, um, old folk songs, starting to delve into harmonies, but really the, the deep work was healing shame. And it continues to be my work as I perform, is, is shame continually arises as I step further down this path and I continually have to shed it and say, no, it's okay, this is a birthright and it's an offering. So that, that's, that's at the root for me, is a spiritual practice, singing and doing this work. It's really powerful to hear 
uh, someone that as talented as you talk about that because I, uh, you know, I talk in front of people for a living now, often just one person. <laughs> Nobody can really see me on the radio. Um, and, but if someone said probably the most scary thing I could imagine, the scariest thing I could imagine would be to have to sing in front of people or to sing where anyone could hear, so. Because it's a direct opening of our central channels, a direct opening of our heart and our soul. It's so vulnerable, because it's so pure. We can't hide when we're singing. It's, it's this pure vulnerability, which I think is a huge gift, ultimately, to share. Oh, a huge gift. I just feel all that much more appreciation that you're willing to share it with us. Mm, yeah, and I just, I just want to add too, you had mentioned the, our genres being kind of unidentifiable and that's a big part of that heart, like being connected to heart and being connected to what is now. And in the music industry, it's not necessarily um, very good practice to not have a genre. <laughs> and so we've kind of been uh, grappling with that, but then just at the end of the day, just staying true with ourselves and whatever songs are coming out of the heart and the body, that's what we bring forth. And if it's way different than what we were writing last week or last month, and that just is what it is. And we, yeah, and we just, yeah, we just keep on moving forward. And that means, yeah, pretty unidentifiable because it is very amorphous and constantly changing. Um, I love it. Oh, good. We have people maybe coming to join. And mm -hmm. um, so, will you? Can you play a little something for us? So yeah. The way the way I'm imagining this happening is, we're going to talk, we're going to play, we're going to talk some more, we're going to play some more, we're going to talk some more, we're going to play some more, and then our at-home audience is going to leave us, and then we can do whatever we want. <laughs> there might be some serious partying. I'm hoping that there's some brews somewhere here, but we'll just see. Oh, there might have to be um, a Nicholas Moon solo moment. Okay, so um, now you're going to have to keep there from being dead space. Oh, yeah, so this song is called One I Love, which Heather will be leading us with the Appalachian Mountain Dulcimer, which if you're not familiar with, you can get familiar with it um, through listening to some of Joan Baez's music as well as... Joni Mitchell. Oh, yeah, Joni Mitchell, sorry. Joni Mitchell, and this is a Jean Ritchie song. She's one of the queens of the Appalachian Mountain Dulcimer and incredible. I recommend looking her up as well, Jean Ritchie. And, um, yeah, Joni Mitchell made it pretty famous in the 70s during the folk revival, as well as um, Richard and Mimi Freenias. We play some of their songs as well. So give us a moment where our voices are a little bit warm, warming up through this one. This is called One I Love.
play another one? Cool. I'm just going to tune down a bit. Can't help but play in these minor keys that I love so much. <laughs> this next song um, is called Raven Girl, which is a song by Richard and Mimi Farina. Um, Mimi Farina was Joan Baez's little sister, and she and Richard met, I think, somewhere in Paris while he was busking, pretending to be blind. <laughs> And she was in school dancing. So when he, when she passed by, he couldn't help but say something to her and chase after her. She said, "He said, my God, you're so beautiful." And she said, "Aren't you blind? Aren't you supposed to be blind?" <laughs> so the two of them had a really beautiful love affair um, and played incredible music. He played the dulcimer. I'm trying to see in this bright light my tuner, and I can't really make. And they um, together played incredible folk songs with incredible lyrics and oftentimes would use old melodies um, of old folk songs. For example, there's a song he plays, they play called Swallow Song, which I love. And maybe we'll play that one today. Um, can you tell me what I'm thinking, please? So um, he um, actually used the tune of the Swallow Song as a very old Sephardic folk song called La Rosa and Florese, which is very famous. Um, which, which is an example of living folk tradition to me. We take these old traditions and we continue them on um, in our own form. So this is Raven Girl.
I love it. And I'm going to take this opportunity to ask you a couple more questions because first I'm going to say that you're listening to Folk You Radio. This is wild revival today. And we are getting wild because we are both live on the radio at CKTZ 89.5 FM, Cortez Community Radio. And we're under the tent on Cortez in a beautiful sunny day with a live audience, which is so much more fun than just being in a hot so studio. So fun. Yeah. Thank you for being here. Thank you. <laughs> this is Heather Wolf and Nicholas Moon, <laughs> and they make up Wild Revival, and they are sort of all things um, folk tradition and wisdom, um, as well as just mm. some of the most beautiful, inspiring musicians. I want to take this opportunity to have a little bit of conversation with some of these two super smart people about something that I think a lot about right now, which is, uh, which your song about Raven really reminded me of, which is how we tell each other our truths these days. Like, what is the role of truth telling and storytelling as part of us really knowing who we are and how are you seeing that change right now in the world as it is um love your your <laughs> i i it's so fun to see the behind the scenes stuff like heather's you answer nicholas <laughs> he's like nope <laughs> how do we Say it again. How do we? Yeah. How do you? Truth what do you see? What's happening right now around? Yeah. Around the world and and with social media and journalism and the state of things, how are we sharing what is true? Mm -hmm. We actually talk about this a lot. I think we are um, we care a lot about social justice and social change a lot, and we have conversations. Sometimes it's hard to justify being an artist because it does take a lot of time to focus on the craft. Um, and we, we want, we care about not just playing something that's just nice or beautiful, but bringing forth what we really care about and believe. And, and in, in a way, I mean, I think a big reason why we call ourselves Wild Revival to give, give space for our wild selves to run free is we want, we want to bring experiences where people feel, where we're, we're feeling and entering fully we are being our body um, and where we're because I yeah experiencing live music um, can be a very deeply healing transforming and, and freeing experience outside of I mean it, you know at its best I think it can be like a church or a temple you know it can take take us to church and obviously that's always a goal is to, to bring a space of um, transformation of getting down to our truth um, so the only way for us to do that is to sing and give voice to what our truth is. And um, the truth, I think truths are always shifting, but the, the truth of both um, how we're feeling, it's, it's a mixture always. I mean, right now is a time when to, of feeling and grappling with despair. Um, and that not to be ignored, that is, and grief, and part of that, um, that it's only through feeling all of the feelings that we're able to be here and be fully participating. Also, that that the joy and cr is is part of the liberation, um, which I feel comes through expression of all the feelings, moving through them all. 
um, into transformation. Um, and I would also say again, yeah, just to, to talk about it, talk about what what's going on. It's very important in in the in the singing and in the you know that that the stage when anyone comes on stage, I, we both feel that it's a responsibility. You're taking, you're asking for people to listen to you. So what are you using that platform for? Hopefully, it's for for remembrance of what really matters, of what we really care about, and of what we want and remembering our creative um, and imaginal capacities to imagine and then create what we imagine from what we want. Hopefully, that's what we can invoke. Yeah, and I think just to add, I just want to speak a little bit to the importance of just, for one, showing up and being present and being real with where you're at in that moment. Being, I think, finding more comfort in being vulnerable if you're you just heard some really bad news and you're really holding that to your heart rather than kind of bottling it up I think just like showing up to whatever you need to show up to for the community and also just be where you're at with your community and even that can be sorrow and that can be joy and I see the joy and sometimes in myself kind of being suppressed too because when I'm feeling you know this exuberant amount of joy I was just talking to Lama on the island about this last night it's like, yes, everyone's, when you might be feeling this joy, chances are with everything going around right now, not everyone in the room is gonna be feeling that. And so it can feel, it can feel a little strange to be like embodying that and sharing that, but really that's part of the healing. And that's part of the, oh yeah, the, the other edge of you know, this cycle that we're all kind of moving around into kind of, I think it's important to see people really embodying that joy and to see people really embodying their sorrow and to just share that. And for us, you know, oftentimes it's through music and, and just, you know, when, we, when we're meeting new people, rather than being expected to like um, be on your A game, whatever that may mean, I think it's time that we kind of let that go a little bit, that expectation to always be what people expect us to be at our highest functioning capacity and for us to start being a little more real of just where we're at. And, and um, you know, if that means creating boundaries and if that means, like, needing certain types of space, then I think that's, I think, yeah, anyway. I, I want to give um, props to my mama here because uh, Linda Wolf, she, she counsels us um, sometimes as, as a mentor in our music. And I appreciate, she always says to us, we say, what should we play tonight? She says, play what's moving you respond to the current moment of what's going on in the world or going on yourself, play to that. So we'll oftentimes choose songs that are not very polished or new or just emergent. We'd rather give that vulnerable kind of messiness because it is what's moving through our body rather than sticking to the program, you know? There's a, there are two songs that come to mind as new songs that, yeah, respond to this. The other thing I wanted to say about my mother is she, um, she started a, the Teen Talking Circle Project, which we can talk more about later. Uh, but I grew up in, in talking circles as from 13 years old onwards, which were sacred space, confidential, not therapy, but just holding space to listen to young people share their feelings exactly where they were at that day. Really, most of the circle was just checking in. What's going on in your life? How are you feeling? What are you thinking? What are you wanting? And 
building relationships with myself and with the others in the circle around that deep level of authenticity and vulnerability, it deepened this way of relating that has just continued to spread in my life. And I, I do feel that, that that's one of the flowers on the, on the, flower, on the we flower of life of, of folk wisdom traditions is the circle, is the talking circle. It's a deeply ancient and indigenous traditional practice throughout indigenous cultures. And traditional cultures, there are forms of these deep truth-telling circles and councils. And I feel that it's a form of relating that is, that is deeply intrinsically needed in our beings. I just wanted to add that. Yeah, I feel like you have to play some music now, and then I'm gonna ask you even more questions about it because I love the idea of a teen talking circle, and clearly something went right in the raising of you. <laughs> All right, what, what's next for, for? Yeah, so on this topic of expression and being where you're at and self-reflecting and um, the song's called Pretending How to Dance.
do another? This is another um, song that came out towards the beginning of the pandemic when uh, the relationship with music really shifted quite a bit <laughs> without being able to play to people. It's called Mountain Song. And we actually were able to record it um, last winter in the Santa Fe Mountains when we were doing a residency. Yeah, and this song I just would like to say was kind of like a reflection of the times and seeing what was going on at the beginning of the pandemic just with the, with the world and actually where we were seeing the, wor seeing the natural world really coming to life like I'd never seen before. There was like record heron, herring um, spawning and hatchings and then which brought record salmon into the area and then the sea lions and so forth and so on and just seeing, wow, just a few less ships moving about just created so much love in the ocean and and that's where we live near and it was just like this calling of this in this moment of kind of like silence and really listening to the land and seeing how quickly the land was responding to this kind of slowdown um, it really f called me to just um, just be like hey let's what is what does the mountain have to say right now and it really got me thinking about you know shamans and which folk who are living on the edges of communities and more in communion with the, you know, with their wild selves and their wild surroundings and, hey, what are, what do they have to say right now? And what, are, you know, it's like, what is the mountain saying to them? And I feel like that's where, that's really what I wanted to ask. And that's what this song is asking. It's called Mountain Song.
by her side lots more just in case people are I can just use a second to say that you are listening to Wild Revival on Folk U Radio and a special live show under the CETA tent uh, on CKTZ 89.5 FM it's Cortez Community Radio truly community style so happy to be here uh, this next song is actually off of our first EP that we released last summer um, with imprinted some vinyl 45s, which we actually brought a few for those of you that still listen to vinyl. Uh, we have, yeah, over at the tent, I think. There's a few at the radio tent. Um, yeah, but this song is called Old Growth Fairy Tale, and it actually came to be while we were on Cortez about three years ago. So, deeply Cortesian song, as well as being. Um, it touches, it touches the lands of Scotland, the Highlands, and uh, Norway. Old growth fairy tale. Labyrinth last Halloween Hear the call, catch the 
Talking Circles and that last song really um, kind of laid the groundwork for it and I feel like it's been a really hard two and a half years for a lot of people and I think it's been really hard for for young people um, and I'm, I'm wondering what you're seeing out there that's that is giving you inspiration what you what you think is the hope for for our next generation of leaders um, actually, I recently saw an article about um, some young cli climate optimists. <laughs> um, these are young people um, in their late teens, early 20s, that are starting radical businesses that are incredibly pragmatic for solving problems. That they Very see. local problems. Yeah, incredibly many, local. Many of them. There's something I read about, um, I'm not remembering the name, but it's in uh, Louisiana outside of New Orleans where there's no glass recycling. 
and these um, fairly young folks, they were in university there, and they were drinking wine one night, and they were talking about how their bottles weren't going to get recycled. And so they started this company now, which is not just recycling bottles, but uh, grinding glass down into sand, because sand is a huge issue as well, uh, sh shortages, lack of sand, and, and of course shoreline being mm -hmm. um, eroded. And, and it's actually quite a global issue, and also down in Louisiana, a big issue. So uh, they're now grinding down glass into sand and doing a lot of projects with the university there to study how it's working. Essentially, it it's actually seems to be working in an ecosystem, creating sand out of glass, which eventually becomes sand. Um, and like, as we know, so things like that, there's others that are, he's become, I'm forgetting his name, but he's become TikTok famous as a, the, the trash collector guy. And he just roams the beaches collecting trash. And he's now, this is his, this is his work. It's, um, there are other kids that now, you know, follow him in that line. It's just things just picking up the pieces and I, saying, well, I'm here, and this is what I see in front of me. There's even, there's more radical things, even, like, working with, outside of the, outside of the system of capitalism, and um, really flipping it on its head. So I think a really immense creativity um, that's coming forth is just saying, like, I'm good enough, I can do this, I see this as an issue, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna step in, right here, right now, with what, what I've got at hand, what I can see. Um, and I also feel, I mean, I do, I do feel deeply that um, the Teen Talking Circle project, which now I'm a, a trainer of, to f train adults to begin and facilitate talking circles for youth, which I never thought I would do as a, as a kid, but um, it just is such important work. And I do feel that that connection and, and relationships that are deep and real, even if it has to be virtual, even if it, it is, has to be, and, and in some ways, connecting virtually has its own perks. You can co connect um, outside of, of locale and connect with youth um, all over the world or connect with each other all over the world. And um, so if it has to be virtual, it can be. And if it can be in person, that has its important richness as well. But just it's at the center of it about being able to be in real authentic relationships, be related, which is harder and harder these days. I want more details on the team talking circle. In particular, are we, oh, you don't love it? Okay, there we go. You live on a tiny little island. This Thanks. is a tiny little island. Maybe your island's not quite as tiny as ours. No. Um, and I think even separate from that, particularly teenagers, really are, through the pandemic, lived these sort of island-like existences, right, where they were really isolated and separated from each other. And we know that teenagers, for their brain development, they actually need each other um, in a way slightly different than sometimes the rest of us who also need each other, right? But they really need each other. So talk to me about the teen talking circle and how, um, how it can help heal that isolation particularly for teens who are particularly isolated through the times or because of geography? Yeah, I mean, it's a very simple model. And um, we use the compassionate listening techniques. So it's not therapy, it's not advice giving. Um, it's just 
as a facilitator, you're calling in um, a sacred space with, with uh, a confidential space and building the mutual agreements together. What do you need to feel safe to be yourself here? And that, can we give that to each other? Um, and it, so it's a simple practice. And then as, you know, as a facilitator, you, you call in and invoke the deep sharing you, with different tools. Um, but you, you really just, it's, it's just so simple. It's a matter of having space and time carved out and the intention of being really real together and going deep together. Um, and over time that builds and then it's, it's the kind of thing that people have started to do it in schools with only a half an hour lunch break and it's, you know, 50 kids so that's not a bunch of deep sharing but it's very, even there, oh, um, and she's, yeah, she's out, her name's Alexandria and she's a, one of our um, trainers and, and another woman on Vashon Island off Seattle, Emily Graham-Kello that have brought it into preschools, um, elementary school, middle school, high school, and then the olders come back and, and, um, and mentor the youngers. And so as you grow up, it's just, it's peacemaking practices, essentially. It's, it's communication and relating practices. Which I, f I mean, I feel like this is, like the whole world needs this. The whole world needs this, totally. Just how I do feel. we lean in and listen to each other even when it's uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. What a great, okay, so if you're, like me, now newly obsessed with this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where, it, where do we find more? It's teentalkingcircles.org, teentalkingcircles.org, or you just search Teen Talking Circles. And right now we're offering virtual trainings for adults, which is we, we format to fit into busy schedules. It's just Saturday mornings. And we actually, um, I'll be train leading a training this September. I'll be starting an eight-week training online so you can join us. There, we still have a few more spaces. Um, and it's just so rich too. It's not that you have to work with youth or even begin there. Begin with your own circle and then build up the skill set. And then we continually we do a monthly facilitator call. So anyone that's taken our training has this ongoing monthly connection and support. And the the training takes the adults through the experience themselves of being in circle and sharing in a deep level so that you have this bodily understanding of the power of it as well as a skill set. I, I love it, actually. It's really an incredibly gratifying experience. And, and you grew up doing this when you were And I grew up, yeah, I started doing this when I was 13. And what, so, um, and your mom was like, hey, that's a great idea. My mother actually started, <laughs> yeah, she started it as a focus group to write a book. So she started it as one year, about over 25 years ago, youth from, I think, 14 to 22 got together a bunch of young women with another, um, another therapist, actually, and started a talking circle to begin to make a book called Daughters of the Moon, Sisters of the Sun. And then when that ended, all the young women said, we don't, we don't want this to end. We need this. So she's, it then transformed into a nonprofit organization that began regular circles and did, brought in, um, a lot of their boyfriends and male friends and started to do gender talks, which were day-long um, examining and looking at the gender norms and gender boxes and breaking them down and also beginning to, to share. And then boys' circles came out of that. And of course now it's very important to, to, to do all genders and to make space for non-binary and, and everywhere in between. So there's a lot of terrain to explore there too. But, um, yeah, it began, and she wanted, she really wanted her daughters, I have a little sister, she wanted us to not have as treacherous and traumatizing 
a teen years experience as she had had um, for herself. So it came out of that desire to create a better experience. I, I desire that for my children, but I'm yeah. not sure I'm doing a great job. Oh, I'm sure you are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you but are. when I make them do the teen talking circles, then it'll <laughs> all be better. <laughs> I'm only kind of joking. Uh, can you, can you uh, delight us with a little bit more music? We'd love it, yeah. Um, awesome. Uh, we could do another dulcimer song. We could play the song I wrote. Wait, I just have to reflect on what a genius job you're doing of doing live talk radio and live musical performance all at the same time. Um, I was actually thinking how, how nice it is. I feel like we're playing the songs a little bit slower and more relaxed. It doesn't, it's very relaxing. Oh, oh wow. Okay, you guys, this is it's perfect because really I was like, wow, I'm really asking you to, <laughs> to multitask. And uh, Nicholas also came over and fixed, fixed my mic, so I'm being extra taken care of. And, uh, I like that. Thanks to everybody. You're listening to Wild Revival. You can find out more by searching Wild Revival Band here on Folk U Radio, Cortez Community Radio, 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca, or right here live under the big tent in the community commons. Yay. Thank you. This is called Cool of the Day. Um, it's a, also a Gene Ritchie song. and one that I have adapted very much to my own style. Cool of the day.
body And I'll return in the cool of the day Now is the cool of the day Now is the cool of the day This earth is a garden Garden of my soul And she share the lyrics first if that's all right so I just love it um, this is a song that I wrote while living in southern Spain in Granada and I was um, traveling actually Nick came and joined me at the end of our time and we went to Tangier took the ferry across the um, Strait of Gibraltar so the mouth of the Mediterranean and then I also traveled to Israel Palestine to Jaffa the easternmost port of the Mediterranean, so it's really spanning this great geography of such ancient, ancient um, history and human civilization. So this song came from there, and it goes, there's white light wisdom coming off the peaks and the mountains are once again green. Off in the distance, the ocean is rolling, the tides going out, coming in. And I'm singing you home to me, darling. I'm singing my sweet child home. With a bundle of night-blooming jasmine, hibiscus full bloom in my mouth, Azahara laced through my mind, Granada, the fruit of the south. I'm singing you home to me, darling. I'm singing my sweet child home. Beneath the temple, there's an earth. She is toning. She's breathing, she's birthing, she's dying. While the holy men atop clash their weapons, people touching the wall and they're crying. And the ants, they build their red mountains, their castles and kingdoms inside. All the while she's patiently waiting for the fires of war to subside. And the rains, they come down. They are soothing and healing all wounds. And I'm singing you home to me, darling. I'm singing my sweet child home. I'm spreading my wings and I'm flying, singing all the sweet children home.
stripped down we often play with the keys synth and drums and yeah that's very that's this this a we like when you strip down here on, a, <laughs> on the radio <laughs> you're listening to folk you radio and this is wild revival heather wolf and nicholas moon and you're on cktz 89.5 fm Cortez Community Radio. We have a special live under the big tent show today and also joining us from wherever you are joining us. Thank you. Uh, so I know everybody is just like, stop asking questions, Manda, but I can't help it. I want to hear just a little bit more about how you found each other. <laughs> and how did you find each other and, and decide that you could make this kind of music together? Well, we actually met accidentally under, in the roots of a um, huge devil's club plant. Diplomatus Herodis. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was down 
digging in the roots, collecting medicine. And we were both simultaneously drawn to this. If anyone knows Devil's Club, it's an incredibly, one of the most powerful medicines and sacred indigenous medicines of this bioregion. And one in which you don't frivolously gather, you don't harvest unless you've been taught, and, and you don't work with the plant unless you're really drawn to work with it. So we had both sort of become drawn. We'd never met before. And from different sides, I, I had been drawn and was gathering the medicine, and suddenly I hear, and I was praying. I said, God, is there, I was with a bunch of new folks. I'm like, is there anyone here that will understand how special this plant is? Like, please, I just want like a friend that will understand. And I kid you not, in the next moment I hear, oh, devil's club. And I look up and there's this little elf. I'm like, who is that? So that's how we met. Um, but then we were both, we were invited to an artist residency at a beautiful, place called Dobe uh, on Orcas Island, which really supports the arts in a great way. And it was New Year's Eve, uh, full moon, New Year's Eve of the wolf moon, actually. And uh, we both had been invited to play. And I was looking for someone to accompany me on a song. And Nick volunteered. And we just had such a beautiful um, and easeful, this just harmonious uh, musical chemistry. That, so we began playing music together. And we sort of realized we really like each other and liked hanging out. <laughs> but it was the wolf moon that brought us together as well. I mean, come on. The wolf moon, I hope you have it tattooed on your body somewhere. <laughs> okay, later, for the next one, for the next radio show, we'll, we'll, we'll show that. That'll we'll be the video broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> the stick and poke, uh, folk you. Everyone will thank me. <laughs> Do you want to add anything to uh, to that? To the meeting? Well, I just remember the, so later that night after we had met, we were kind of back in the cabin and I just remember um, being in a circle, just kind of talking around the fireplace and um, and then Heather, Heather was kind of off in the corner where nobody could probably hear you, but I caught wind of you singing oh so softly and with this little classical guitar in the corner and my ears just perked up because it was a voice I had just never heard anything like it before so unique and powerful and even at a whisper um, and so I was immediately like ooh I want to I want to entangle with that beautifulness <laughs> over there <laughs> and likewise when I heard Nick's songwriting and playing for the first time so blown away by your songwriting and I was just was like I want to sing those songs with that person <laughs> yeah so yeah I feel really lucky okay so you both are holding instruments in a very ready way so tell us what's next so this song is called to be free and um, well it's essentially call you know the song kind of just calls in what it means to be free, yeah, it kind of speaks for itself. You know. Me. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, this is a song called Last Dance.
it's it's like it's so nice to be part of kind of this organic thing you know like I get to feel like I'm part of the band which is you know because I have this horror of actually like singing or and I'm completely musically not talented so uh, but I've always you know I wish that I could be a rock star nonetheless so here I am thanks yeah. you want to do a song together a song? We no do <laughs> no no I am doing a song with you but yeah you are, you are. You by filling absolutely yeah beautifully just filling in the dead space um, so you're listening to Folky Radio. This is Wild Revival here with me, Heather Wolf and Nicholas Moon. And we are on CKTZ 89.5 FM, CortezRadio.ca. We're live. We're live under the big tent and all over the world, simulcast thanks to the magic of radio. Um, and. I, I still have a whole huge, broad range of things to talk to you about, but I also see that you are ready for more for, for another song. Okay, well, is this a good time to start talking about brewing and, and herbal everything? Oh, yeah. Okay, okay. So well, there's a couple things that I want to talk about. One, what, what were you there for at, like, what drew you to the Devil's Club? on that day. So both of you were drawn on the same day mm -hmm. to the Devil's Club, which is the first time that I even knew that Nicholas was in on, in on the uh, the wild, maybe healing the wild herbal side of things. So Definitely, very much so, yeah. Yeah. Um, well, like I said, I think it was the first time that either of us had been drawn to it. And at the time, I was going through a really hard time, a big transition, a lot of loss. and. Um, and so there was, it was just a bodily feeling when I saw, I mean, we was in an extremely abundant area of Devil's Club, which is, of course, a prerequisite to harvest. Um, and I just, something bodily drew me. It's like, oh, I need, I need this medicine right now, and I think I can harvest it responsibly and with, um, without harming this stand. Um, and I had been taught, so I... Yeah, it was, it was a physical need, but it w and it was, if I were to try to, to define it, it was a devil's club can bring a kind of warrior boundaried spiritual protection and um, strength. And at the time I felt that that was medicine I really needed. Um, and I felt, I felt the invitation. I felt some commun communion happening um, between the plants, the plant and myself. So that began it. Yeah. My side of that story is just that, you know, I was, the first time I was introduced to Devil's Club, I was at a wilderness area outside of Salem, Oregon, um, called Opal Creek. And I was scrambling up some rocks to go and see one of the mines that are up there and, hope, and perhaps go inside. I'd heard about where it was, so I was on my way up there scrambling up these rocks and then kind of on all fours and then went you know, without looking to go and grab towards something because that my footing was slipping a bit and I realized my hand was heading right towards this Devil's Club stalk, which is just covered in spikes and giant leaves overhead canopy and and then so I at the very last second stopped and um, the person who I was with, Grace, was then introduced me to the plant and we're like, oh wow, you should, and and later ended up finding out a really special thing about Devil's Club being that it can, although it can give you staph infection by 
interacting with it physically. Um, it can also heal staph infection. And so I th always, always thought that was kind of an interesting thing. But um, after that, hadn't really been drawn much to sit with Devil's Club and was introduced that it was definitely a power plant and one of those to which to perhaps go towards if you're very strongly called. And I just wasn't for a really long time. And then I started having dreams about the about Devil's Club and um, and was called to sit with the plant and was ended up really helping me out with um, looking like basically looking at my ways of being revolving around boundaries and revolving around some work relate imbalanced work relationships and um, and just yeah and then sitting with Devil's Club really helped me embody someone who can set boundaries really well. And I think at first was like very strong. I think it was a bit of a pendulum swing and then kind of balanced out. But ultimately I feel like that was, that's been my greatest gift is just having, whenever I'm in deep forest and I come across Devil's Club, just taking a while and just sitting, sitting there with it. Um, yeah, and so. That was that that weekend that Heather and I met was the weekend that I was called to sit with and be with Devil's Club. And so when I saw it, before I even saw Heather, I was like, there it is. And that calling was so strong. And then hardly even seeing Heather at first and then looking down like, oh, who's this being down there? And what are you doing exactly? And so it was just a really interesting meeting. Um, yeah, does that answer? And do you, are both of you, do you work with herbs and plants medicinally? Um, and I'm really curious about this other aspect of that that Nicholas just brought up, which is the idea of almost like a embodying a plant without necessarily imbibing it. Mm -hmm. um, and which I like just the whole concept of. Um, so I want, I'm curious if that's actually what you meant. And that is what I meant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. And so t tell me a little bit about your each of your practices with plants, um, plants like imbibing plant energy. I, f I feel like I want to not use super <laughs> woo-woo words, but I feel drawn to, <laughs> to that, so. Yeah, I first started feeling very, um, very drawn to being in relation with plants and specifically one plant at a time when I was growing up outside of um, Olympia, Washington and lived very close to a forest and would often find myself alone, sometimes lost, sometimes find coming across deer carcasses or like deer bones and then trying to find, trying to figure out some significance in these bones and looking around in these areas where deer had chosen to lay rest for its final. Um, and seeing what sort of plants were there. And I think that was kind of the first introduction to um, to just kind of the realization of the power of relationship with plants. And, and then after years later, after moving to Portland, Oregon, all of my best friends just happened to be herbalists. Everyone who I met and who was just like so uh, just kin, you know, in some way, just happened to be really diving in and focusing on herbalism. And so ended up learning a lot about tincture making through that and 
um, through those relationships and just, yeah, it's been a beautiful journey just becoming more and more in touch with our surroundings essentially and, and an information, a web of information that's really been lost in many cultures. And I'm just so grateful that it's like being recognized again more strongly and um, cared for. Yeah, definitely. And I, um, I began studying herbalism in earnest from a pretty young age. I was 19 and a student at Evergreen College and ended up doing an internship living at Heron Botanicals, which is an amazing herb farm and medicine making company in um, off Seattle in Paulsboro, Washington. And so that began the studies and then from there continued. Um, actually, that's when I first started herbal brewing as well, as I started studying um, through Stephen Harrod Buner's book, who is an incredible, vast herbalist, um, sacred and herbal healing beers. And actually my uncle there on the farm was a practicing herbal brewer as well. So he sort of opened his doors to the, the little brewery and myself and my partner at the time began studying. We ended up writing a study at Evergreen using the source material from Buner's book. So really going deep in and studying the ancient and sacred roots of herbal fermentation of alcohol throughout the world. as And the understanding that it's a deeply um, divine gift from the gods and often the gods are the plant spirits themselves and the spirit of fermentation himself or herself that is um, bringing forth alcohol which is this magical substance that alters our consciousness and um, and then and, and not only that but but fuses with the herbal medicine of the plants themselves and alchemizes into something that is um, magical healing and, and altering and understanding that that altered state is actually an access point to greater consciousness. So rather than tuning out, it's a way of tuning in and it has been used that way throughout cultures around the world for thousands of years. Um, and oftentimes was also held, the, the fermentation and the ritual process was held by women um, and often elder women. And so there was this very sacred role that um, elder women have held with around plant medicine and herbal brewing um, for a long, long time that also has been largely lost and um, part of my work with, specifically with herbal brewing um, is reviving not only the sacred aspect of alcohol but the herbal elements of alcohol and the sacred uh, ritual position of the elder priestess of the women as um, healers for their communities. A part, you know, really at the heart of the, what I love this phrase, the cauldron of cosmic relations. <laughs> and um, yeah, so that, that's one aspect. And then I continued to work with herbs and study Ayurvedic herbalism and um, practice and traditional Western herbalism and just continued to practice um, herbalism. And I really feel my desire with herbalism is also to bring the folk aspect again more and more alive which I consider to be the direct relationship with plants in our bioregion in our gardens for the healing of ourselves and our family and community and um, knowing that we have that deep intrinsic capacity to heal ourselves and each other with the plants that are growing around us 
and that the plants are communicating to us all with us all the time. I love how all these things that could seem really disparate start to seem really not so yeah. unrelated. Um, and when you know when we're in community or in communication, and you have been running. Um, first of all, one of the things you call yourself is a brewist, uh, uh, I think, and um, I want to make sure that's right. And then I know you've been running this sort of seasonal brew co-op. Co-op? Yeah, that it's right like word? an underground brew club. Really. Underground. That's. It just sounds so <laughs> much cooler for it to be an underground <laughs> brew club than to call it a co-op. So. Uh, let me get that co -ops right. Co-ops are pretty cool, too. Co-ops are cool. Co-ops um, are cool. Yeah, it's called Brewess or Brewess Underground because it is a speakeasy at, at this point, so hush, hush. Um, and it, it, yeah, it's a project that has been about 20 years in the making with many different iterations, but this one, Brewess, does hearken to the feminine role in brewing and fermentation. Um, as well as, like I said before, bringing forth the sacred aspect and hoping to help realign our relationship with alcohol to be in what I feel is a rightful place, which is not all, not to be sacred does not necessarily mean to be somber or serious. I think that there's ways to be awakened and uh, unaware in, in, in different states of consciousness and in celebration and revelry when it's held in the right ways. Um, so for me, with Bruess, it was again the merging of so much of folk culture. It's merging um, the brewing folk traditions and the herbal folk traditions, but also the folk traditions of um, celebration and ritual practice around uh, the holy gates of the year, the eight gates, which are the eight cross points. There's um, the equinoxes in the spring and fall, and the solstices in the summer and winter. And then between that is the, um, the cross points, which is Samhain or All Souls Day, Halloween, All Hallows Eve, which is exactly opposite May Day or Beltane is a Celtic name for it. And then and, and between the equinox and solstice, and then again between equinox and solstice is um, Imbolc or the early, early spring and early February. And opposite of that would be Lamas that we just had in early August, the beginning of the harvest season. Um, so having soirees at those points which ritualize and uh, create celebration around what are turning points in the year and the, the nature of looking at the nature of time as both cyclical and, um, and, and sacred in a way that in these portals or these liminal moments, um, they can be seen as a renewal moment, as a new year even, and have been throughout cultures and throughout eons and still are practiced that way um, and that that's a really important way for us to heal for us to stay healthy personally and con and collectively so that that's when I would have my soirees <laughs> and uh, this was the first year incarnation of that which happened um, near my home of Bainbridge Island and but I actually because Nick and I um, travel and are semi-nomadic um, I've started to brew. Last year we traveled through the Southwest and lived in the, and we're doing recording in the Southwest and also in California. So when I was there, uh, I harvested the abundant healing plants of the Southwest with and found local mountain honey from Taos from a beautiful um, beekeeper. 
and fermented a, a mead. Most of them have been honey wines, meads, which is um, considered to be perhaps the most ancient human fermented alcohol. Um, and that's aging to then come back into a soiree there. And I intend to do the same here on Cortez uh, for a soiree in the, in the future. And then uh, also in LA. So it's, it's, it's about bringing forth what is abundant and healing in the bioregion as well. I just, it's so, it just makes so much sense, right? When you think about that, we're of course we're meant to kind of internalize time in this way to, you know, eat and ferment and mm -hmm. the things around us to, to come together in these ritualistic times to express that out through song and dance and being together. I just, and yeah. the fact that you're so young and so talented and holding space for that feels just like a really special thing that we get to be part of. And um, I want you to be on Cortez all the time. You want to be on Cortez all the time. But I also understand I probably have to share you. Probably lots of people <laughs> feel that way about you when you come through. Um, and do you want to share a, a little bit of music with us? And then maybe we're going to... If for the few of us that are left, we get to imbibe this music then uh, yeah. <laughs> in a whole different way. Yeah, we, we, I brought it forth a little um, honey vermouth, which vermouths are fortified herbal wines, usually from grapes, but this is from honey and from a honey shine that I um, distilled from my own, my own mead and then infused with healing herbs that, actually this one in particular, the Diosa de Damiana is, um, a formula of herbs for nurturing the feminine, nurturing and turning on the feminine principle of all beings, which I think our world could use a little more of that. <laughs> I think that we're all okay with it. Oh, um, Nick's telling us what yeah what song we should do. Oh, okay. <laughs> As an important part of the band now, I, I yeah. What song should we do, man? <laughs> I I feel very confident that you're gonna know. This is another dulcimer tune um, called Darling Cora, which is old, which is a pretty old traditional song that is about a brewer and a brewess who has a brew house and is, is have, has, ends up having people coming after her and, um, and it's about, I mean, it's about. She's a bootlegger. She's a bootlegger <laughs> and and the song's about like building a hole to hide her in. So she doesn't get in trouble with the robbers. Which was a common practice yeah. in the bootlegging days. So there's some, there's some deep trick skills here in the song you can also learn.
<laughs> I just have to take a moment to reflect on one of the earlier things that you were talking about, which is the importance of storytelling. And one of the things I love about your music is that deep sense that it is about folk wisdom and how important it is for us to hear that this isn't our first apocalypse. This isn't that we've often, as free thinkers or as home brewers or as music makers or as whatever, have been on the wrong side of, of you know, those who we may have to hide from, et cetera. And so all these stories and lessons and instructions that are buried in music Right, so that we can learn that we're not alone. We have are connected through thousands of years of time of needing to figure it out, and that the future depends on us telling those stories, keeping it alive, bearing it in our music, bearing it in our practices, bearing it in our our herbs and our drink. I just love that, and it's so secret. And here it comes, and thinks also how earlier you said, oh, it's sacred doesn't have to be all serious all the time, right? Like. Come on, <laughs> through time we've had hard times and we had to figure out a way to, to laugh and, and sing and things together. So thank you for being part of it. Um, I was hoping that you might play us a little bit more and then tell us how we're gonna find you when, because everyone now is obsessed mm -hmm. with your music and they wanna know so much more about you and they wanna listen to everything and they wanna get your vinyl records and or download you digitally. So um, tell those people at home and, and, and play us out. Do we, we, we probably have time for just one more, but maybe two if they're short. Uh-oh, oh no, I know, uh-oh. Well, I had heard when you started this folk you, I was talking to Kalyani last night, and she was talking about, um, I know a lot of the focus today is with um, brewing and medicines, and but um, I feel like a really deep medicine that you kind of started this whole thing with is talking about death, and as part of healing, and as part of bringing grief into joy, you know, bringing grief into the cycle of joy and the everything. And we, when I was talking to Kalyan and I heard that, you, that's how this thing kind of got started, was a month of that, of talking to, am I, is this, is this right? I mean, her version might be different than mine, oh. but we have done a lot, we have done a whole month long on just talking about death and dying before and and um, and on Cortez, we have something called the Death and Dying Collective, mm. where we um, have, I mean, this has not been me who's led it, uh, but as a community, we have learned to help people prepare for death. We can take a body, care for it, prepare it for burial. We can, we can help you with every aspect of that. You never, a body never has to leave the island. There's elder, like there's That's people beautiful. here to do the whole process into putting you in the ground, even in a natural cemetery, which I feel like is one of the most beautiful things ever. And I think death is such an important part, like, right? It's part of the whole cycle and to be able to do it folk-wise. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, I'd love to, if we have time to share a song that's, that revolves around death, because when we hadn't played it in a while, but when Kalyani said that, I was like, oh, okay, we're, we should probably incorporate that song. Yes, that's perfect. Okay. 
called Ship in the Air. About that moment of passing away. And the mystery, just kind of getting wrapped up in, in the whole mystery of it. And I just want to give a shout out to my grandma. She's 95 and just in the hospital from an injury. So it's, it's that moment when you become very, very elder and start to reckon with death in a very real way. Love you, Grandma. Love you, Barbara. Nicholas Moon and they are Wild Revival. This is Folk U Radio on CKTZ 89.5 FM. How do people hear more, listen more, find out more? Mm, yeah, thank you so much. It's been so fun to be with you um, all today. So you, we're wildrevivalband.com has all of our links 
um, a new video that we recorded in the Southwest. And then we also have the music that we have released in, on Bandcamp, which is a great direct way to support artists, um, including the vinyls there. Um, and of course, the music is out on Spotify and YouTube and Pandora and Apple and all the streaming platforms as well. So you can find us as Wild Revival on there. And then there, Nicholas Moon does have some solo work out um, as, as well. As does Heather and Wolf. I also have some solo work under our names. You can also listen. So we're in the process of, we have a lot more we want to record and <laughs> that takes time. And as far as just keeping up with what we're up to, where we're at in the moment, the social media platform that we use most is Instagram. Yeah, Wild Revival Band or Heather Wolf or Nicholas Moon with four O's. <laughs> Why not? And if you want to be a part of the Bruis Underground, then you should get in touch with me through the website. There's a mailing list, um, heatherwolf.love, or through Instagram, or through Amanda, through Folkyou. You at folkyou.ca. Um, yeah, so hopefully those are some good ways to stay. We'd love to just hear and be connected with you. Can we yeah. par be part of Brewis Underground even if we don't live near you? Maybe so, because I travel. <laughs> we travel. <gasps> yeah. Love it. This has been so special. I can't thank you enough for being here um, and taking this time and doing this incredible setup and, yeah. um, and just being willing to, to go with it, uh, which is what you need to do for live radio and everything else. And you're such an inspiration. I hope that every time you're here, we can do this in so many different ways. Yes, I hope so too. May thank you. So. And here, we want to just give you a little toast if you want to taste this. Oh, I want to taste it. Oh, wait, this is going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do a, an auditory gonna, experience. Yeah, so this is a I'm, honey It's going vermouth. closer to the lips. It's, it's going closer to the lips. She's opening her, <laughs> mouth. She's <laughs> her mouth. She's letting this uh, pink nectar that's Ooh. colored mm. by hibiscus flowers. The facial expression is saying it all. Oh, Damiana from Mexico. Oh my God. Sage and yarrow, wildcrafted and from the garden. I feel like my, I need more <laughs> poetry to explain. There was just a whole traveling sensation of different experiences. There was like sweet and bitter and then something like mellow and herbal. Mm. I feel like I went on an adventure in that mm. one sip. Oh, I can mm. smell it. Yeah. <laughs> I can smell it from here too. I say three sips. That I, takes three, you. Three sips will take me all the way I, I just wanted to, to toast Nirvana. Thrice well, is yeah. the charm. I wanted to toast to you and to folk you and to the community mm -hmm. radio station, which is all volunteer run is so great. It's incredible. Amanda, you are such an, a unique and magical being. I just want to say <laughs> it's been a pleasure just spending this afternoon with you and, and talking with you. Yeah, and I also want to toast to Cortez Island, this community I, I've been coming to since I was a little girl and it's deeply, deeply sacred. It's like a soul home for me and I'm continually so inspired by the people, the community, the land, the spirits of the land, and just so mm. grateful. So it's making prayers and gratitude mm. to this island that it may mm. thrive in all ways and be healthy, continue to be healthy in all ways, and that it may ripple out throughout these lands and waters. Yeah. Thanks for being part of it, guys. Thank you. I really Such appreciate it. Uh, we will. We will do our closing. Oh, this is the moment where I'm doing multiple things at one time. Yay! Thank you so much. Until next time, this has been Folk U Radio. Fantasy, all the
Welcome, neighbor, to Folk U Radio, Folk University's talk show, taking old school viral. I'm your host, Manda O'Fox Gillespie. It's embarrassing, all the stupid things I can think of to think about. Is there anything that could really bring my mind? 